sight In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And tonight we are discussing So Weird Season 2, Episode 8, Werewolf, right? That is the one we're discussing, right? Correct. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Some people <laughs> might yeah, be so disappointed that we're not talking about Boo tonight, but the reason for this is that we're going in order of production. And this is the order that makes sense timeline-wise. Because Boo and Fountain were both added at the end of the season after they were already planned. Yeah, so if you pay attention at the end of the last one, which was Mutiny, I believe. Clue's going off to college, and then this episode begins with Irene and Ned have already taken Clue to his university, and Jack's calling him up to check to see how he's doing and all that. Yeah, a little bit of continuity there that probably would go unnoticed by most people. But not (laughs) us. (laughs) Uh, yeah and it's uh well i guess we should first mention that uh you know first off nice to be back we've been gone for a while we'll just start by saying that and secondly this is the first episode with the new intro am i correct on that Mm -hmm. yes first episode with no clue Mm -hmm. and eric lively is in the credits now yes and it also has that scene with the spooky ghost face over fiona's shoulder did not notice the new intro. What? Well, I know that there, I know that there is one, but I never pay attention to like which specific episode. Uh, okay. Well, I definitely remember that shot in the opening credits of Fiona in the hallway, and then the spooky ghost face phases through the wall over her shoulder, which is from a uh, strange geometry, which is going to be coming up in a few here. But yeah, um, and it also includes the scene from Werewolf at the end where they're running around the woods and they turn around with the flashlight. Oh yeah, it does it. I'm not exactly sure what specific episodes the individual clips are from, but I definitely recognize that one uh, shot from Strange Geometry. And I remember seeing that in the opening credits when the show was on the air and thinking like, oh, wow, that's that's interesting. When When's that episode coming up? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I love the season two opening credits starting with this episode because then you knew it was season two. And any time I saw the scenes from Banshee, I knew, oh, it's going to be a good episode. well and um you know the episode we're not talking about today boo is the halloween episode but what's interesting is this episode werewolf i think is actually a better halloween episode than boo is aka scary yeah (laughs) yeah yeah because i mean i I don't know about everybody else and i know there are some other uh episodes out there that are considered scary or creepy episodes but to me i think this is the closest so weird would come to actually feeling like a horror series and like tone Mm -hmm. because obviously as the title indicates this is our werewolf episode you know every supernatural show has to do a werewolf at some point you know werewolves vampires and aliens every supernatural show has to do all of those and you know we've so weird's done the aliens this is the werewolf vampires are coming up in a little later on season two so yep yeah, in the beginning, uh, her intro is talking about wolves in general and how they're no threat to man. And then she adds that's well, if you kill a werewolf or so, like, what if the heart that's belonged to it is someone we love? Yeah, and that opening narration has that classic stock footage photo of the wolf with the crazy face. 
I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> You've never seen that photo of the, the wolf with its like fur way back on its face and it's baring its fangs and it's staring. You just you see it all over the place on the internet. No? Just me? All right, well. No. Whatever. You know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody out there knows what you're talking about. It's not me. Um, so the premise for this episode is, um, as we mentioned, yeah, uh, uh, Ned and Irene are moving, helping Clue move into college. So they're not in this episode at all. And instead, Molly is driving the bus by herself. And they and she come almost in, hit something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they uh, come into this small town, and they're there for uh, a bed and breakfast. They're just there to relax. But there's something unusual about the family they, they're staying with. In particular, the little girl acts kind of strange. And at night, there are these reports of a wolf around town and eating people's chickens. And uh, naturally, the two ideas are connected. Yeah, before we go on any further, let's just take a moment to talk about that scene where Molly is driving the bus and they hit something in the road. And one of my favorite commuting lines of the ser series is when Molly goes out to look for it and Jack and Carrie come out to look at it. And Fiona's like, if the guys can look, I can look. She looks. I don't want to look. Yeah, that was a good moment. <laughs> yeah. Some some nice humor there. And um and after that, Carrie picks up something in the road. He finds a fake nail and puts it in his pocket, which I always found disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't know what it was, but that's still like why? <laughs> That's kind of the only plot point of this episode that I dislike because it is weird that first off he would take, you know, dig this. It's a Lee press on nail out of a dead animal of some sort and carry it around for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, you know, obviously the little girl is the werewolf and the fact that her like, you know, plastic press on nails are staying on her when she changes there's just something about that, that doesn't quite connect because now I'm seeing an image of a werewolf running around with bright pink press on nails, which, you know, <laughs> kind of dilutes the horror of the scenario a bit. I never thought of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, and it, you know, but something I like about this one a lot is first off, it's um, a monster episode, but the monster is about as low budget as you can get because we never actually see the werewolf. Um, we get like a brief glimpse of something furry lunging at the window, and that is all we see. Otherwise, the werewolf is created through a technique I like to call monster vision, where the camera assumes the point of view of the creature. And, you know, that's something you see a lot in low-budget movies and big-budget movies sometimes, too. I mean, I think Jaws and uh, Predator are the two most famous examples of that technique. We also saw it in Strangeling. Yes, the we dragon. did. Only we got more shots of the dragon than we did of the werewolf. Yeah, maybe they learned their lesson from that, and they realized that dragon <laughs> prop was not too great looking. So this time they decided they just weren't going to show the monster at all. But um, but you know, and it has kind of a weird color coding, a red coloration on it, and there's a a good sequence where Jack and Fiona and um, Carrie are being chased back to the bus by whatever it is. You know, we don't even. Obviously, the name of the episode is Werewolf, and they've been talking about Werewolf. But assuming you missed that opening intro, you wouldn't even necessarily know what it, what it was. Um, could have been a chupacabra for all you know. And um, 
And just that sequence of them being chased and running back to the bus is actually mildly intense. You know, it's about as intense as the Disney channels was allowed to get, I think. Especially that scene where they get back to the bus and they're fumbling around to get the keys because they're trying to get to safety because the doors are, the house is locked. And Fiona just looks and she screams bloody murder. Yes. I noticed that. Um, They really do a good job on selling that whatever's chasing them is really, really dangerous. Yeah. So when I first watched it, I definitely, like, was scared. Yeah, you definitely do feel like our main characters are in genuine peril with here. And, and yeah, I got to give Kara credit for her uh, blood-curdling scream in this. It's great. She can <laughs> scream great and cry great. She's, she's really good at those things. <laughs> and also, I love Eric Lively's show of fear and bravery as he argues that oh, I should stay and I should lure it in because I'm the oldest. And then when he hears like a rap at the door, he like jumps back with this look of pure fear on his face. Yeah, and then he has that little line about, why do I always have to be the oldest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that- I really liked um, Carrie in this episode. Me too. Though there is that kind of weird scene where he goes into Fiona's bedroom. And, you know, we talk all the time about the weird, well, really, you know, we talk about the quote-unquote sexual tension between Molly and Carrie, though in actuality it doesn't exist at all. But I'm surprised <laughs> there are no weirdo, like, fee Carrie shippers out there based entirely off of that moment because it's quasi-intimate because he's, like, sitting down on her bed and he seems no, it's not. either half asleep or... <laughs> Or I don't know, drunk or something. He he he's in an odd space. Drunk. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, and um, no, and it's just an odd little moment. I'm I'm just saying, knowing how people on the internet are, I'm surprised nobody has ever seized <laughs> on that. No, because he like, her size. <laughs> no, and I think that's why I find it plausible to ship him with Molly is because he's adult size. He's not child size. <laughs> not um, no. Yeah, I did think that was kind of weird. Like, I don't know why they had to film it. I, I think sleeping or going to sleep or something. But I think right. I was still too distracted by the fake nail in that scene to pay attention. To <laughs> and yeah, he's like, "Hey, look, Fee, look what I found." <laughs> Wasn't he like recording our laptop? Right. Yeah, that's the reason he's in the room. But it's still, I don't know. It's an odd moment. Well, they live together on a bus, so I don't know. It never struck me as odd. Uh, but also weird in this episode is that outfit Fiona is wearing in the first half, which is a red shirt that says All Star on it, and I believe she's wearing a skirt, which is weird. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing Fiona in a skirt before. <laughs> I did not notice. I just noticed her butterfly clips. <laughs> yeah, they're back, baby. <laughs> well, that's how you know it's 1999 or, or 2000, I guess, is when this one came out. But um, so there's some continuity stuff here with Molly, who yes. overall doesn't have a too big of a role in this one. She's not dur- in the adventure part. She's asleep in her bed in the B&B, totally unaware of what her kids are up to. But um, <laughs> this is the first time we hear a bit of The Rock. Also a bit of a backstory on it where she talks about how she's running it for her father, about her father. So we start to build up a little bit to Banshee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's stuff all coming up soon. Um, and again, you know, I just appreciate how the writers would add little references to things that would happen soon or would reference stuff that happened in the past because they didn't have to. I mean, that's the thing about so weird that makes it so head and shoulders above other kids show from that era is 
you know, the writers could have just turned out a mediocre subpar product and nobody would have cared because it's a Disney Channel show. But they really went in and gave the effort to do things like that and make sure the series was cohesive. Kudos to always. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, so I think Molly, near the end of the episode, she's like reflecting on, I guess, her relationship with her dad. And she says she thinks she understands her dad better because of the interaction between Laura's dad and Laura. And I was just wondering what you all thought she meant by that. Yeah, when I when she first said that and I was trying to figure out, like I didn't understand like what she meant. But I think because there's one line that the the lady, I forgot her name of the house, she said, um, she was telling Molly how he's really sweet now. Her husband's really sweet with Laura. But I guess before he, like, wasn't like that. So mm. I'm just thinking it's that hard personality versus the soft side. Mm. That's all what I could think of. That's interesting. I thought of it more as, like, how Laura couldn't go to her parents with her problem. Like maybe that's how Molly felt growing up, that she couldn't talk to them. But I think your theory makes more sense. Well, that's a good observation, though, about um, the relationship between the girl and her parents and how she's hiding something, which leads to one of my favorite things about this episode, because the first half is, like I said, for a Disney Channel show, pretty intense, about as you know, scary as they could probably get with it. And then there's an interesting tonal shift in the last third where now um, Fiona has realized that Laura, this little girl that has kind of taken a shine to her that lives there at the B&B is this werewolf that's been chasing them. And suddenly the episode becomes very sympathetic towards her. And there's just the stuff in the episode where how Laura is afraid to come to her parents about her being a werewolf. But, um, which I think you could probably maybe read into like, you know, just think about it in the sense that, Oh, well, you know, maybe, you know, this could be a metaphor for a kid that is like gay or something else that's having trouble coming to their parents and talking to them about that. And then the mm -hmm. way at the end of the episode where her mother and her father say to the whole town, you know, our daughter has this condition, but we want to, work with it and make it a part and, you know, still include her in the community and everybody comes to support her. It's actually rather touching. Yeah. I, yeah. I really like that end scene. It's so um, like serious, but it's so nice. And with Laura, her story is that she was found in the woods. And so do you guys know their names? The, the lady? <laughs> no. no, you know, I miss the name well, of her parents. <laughs> I'll just say their parents. So, yeah, her parents adopted her because I think they were trying to have a child, but they um, couldn't. So Laura was like a blessing to them. And that could also be another reason why Laura was too afraid to come to them about this problem, because she says to Fee how she's afraid that they wouldn't love her anymore. Right. Yeah, and which... Also, I think it's really interesting that you saw it as like a metaphor for coming out. Because I always saw, saw it as like a metaphor for puberty where your body starts going through changes and you don't understand it and it's awkward and you don't want to ask those questions to your parents. You kind of just hide what's going on until the truth comes out. 
Well, that's fair, too. In fact, they kind of make that parallel in the episode itself when Fiona is talking to Jack and Carrie about werewolves, and Carrie makes a reference to how he wasn't born with hair on his face, which leads to that cute dialogue with Jack where he's like, well, you don't have hair on your face now, you know, some some buddy-buddy macho playing around. But, you know, I mean, it's pretty common that the werewolf is used as a metaphor for puberty, puberty or something in fiction. I mean, in you know, like movies like I Was a Teenage Werewolf and the original Teen Wolf, stuff like that. So you're probably right. It's probably closer to that. Um, I mean, and, you know, and Lore is probably about around the age when maybe a young girl would start having some of those changes. So you're probably right. That's probably what the writers were actually going for. Well, you know, we see Fee with an 18 magazine in her bed and then and Laura have this talk about, you know, what they're allowed to do and all that. So Yeah, that weird line about, you know, does your mom allow you to wear wigs and fake eyelashes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of wonder about that a little bit because we've talked about it before how Fiona is not like a girly girl. So it is a little weird to see her like interested in that. But for the purpose of the episode, it works. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of Laura, like her character? I always thought she was annoying. Like, I yeah, never really understood how she was attached to me so quickly. Yeah, like, the at least the first half of the episode, she's annoying to me. But the last half, especially when she's talking to Fee in the bus. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, then I feel pretty sorry for her. Me too. I think well, it's her monotone voice. Like... To me, there's just not a lot of emotion there, so she comes off as creepy, uh, especially when she shows up in front of Fee's bed at the beginning. Yeah. And it took, like, it's kind of hard for me to warm up to her by the end of it. Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> I, I'm just what saying, you think, I, I, it's, it's kind of an acting thing, too, I think. I just. Wh- well, it's not so much that I would refer to the character as annoying. I think that she la- latches on to Fee so quickly is a little strange. Um, But I think once again, that's just kind of the perils of writing a 22 minute episode. You know, if this was an hour long series, you could maybe get into that relationship a little more and explore their friendship, but you can't do that because you've only got a half an hour plus commercials. So they kind of have to take some shortcuts. Um, I mean, some little children are like that, I think. Um, Because in college, I had a pen pal thing with the elementary students, and we would go visit them for like two days. And I would see mine, and yeah, they, they totally latched on to me the whole time. So maybe it's I mean, like such a small town also. There's not that many little girls for her to play with, so she sees Fee is kind of young like her, and so she just latches on to her. Is, how old is she supposed to be? Do you all remember? I'm not sure they ever mention her age, do they? I got the impression that she was like nine or ten years old. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I like, I do, I will say, I think the scene where she and Fee are eating breakfast or whatever, and Fee kind of fakes her out with scooping up the cereal is kind of cute. I thought that was annoying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just think it's, I think Fee's really sweet in that scene to kind of be playing with her. Yeah, and it's, you know, we don't get to see Fiona interact with uh, a young female that's close to her age that often on the show. Usually it's just her mom and her 
her well, her brother. I mean, I was going to say brothers, but you know what I mean. And um, so, yeah, so that is kind of interesting about this episode. Uh, as for the ending scene, it, it is a nice scene um, when they all say they'll help, but I kind of wish there was an after credit scene, like after they tell them what's actually happening, or is <laughs> a werewolf, and just like a shot of their faces. Yeah, that's something I've always wondered about. Like, how can they be so supportive? And, like, will he still be that supportive once they learn, like, what her condition is? Yeah. Well, that would kind of undermine the whole point of the episode, wouldn't it? If there was, like, this shot yeah. at the end where, like, oh, yeah, by the way, she's a werewolf. <laughs> Grab the page four. I would have loved it. Um, uh, but, you know, that is an interesting idea, though, because usually in fiction – you know, werewolves are something that you know, the people have no control over with, and they usually end up getting killed or something like that. So I, the idea that this episode presents this image or this concept that maybe a whole town would be willing to, like, live with a werewolf and do things to help her with this condition is interesting to me and kind of a different take on it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, was kind of cool. Okay, any other uh, thoughts or observations about this one? I really like the bus escape scene when Carrie is trying to lure the werewolf in and the way Jack goes out the window first and then helps Fee out the window. I always thought that was really crafty, like Mm -hmm. how they lured her in. Um, Really cool. Once again, making use of the disproportionately large area inside the bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Jack being the night. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so I would, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of this one. I would say this is probably, like, in my top ten episodes for the whole show. I really respond to the fact that it's a sobered episode that tries to be scary and actually goes out of its way to embrace some of the horror elements. And yet then at the end there's this really cool tonal shift where suddenly the goal of the episode completely turns around. And altogether I think it works very well. So I'm a big fan of Werewolf. I think this is, um, I mean, there are a lot of really good episodes coming up a little later in season two, so I don't want to say it's one of my favorites of the seasons, but this is one I like a lot. Agreed. I don't know if this one's in my top ten, but I do really enjoy it. Um, That scene with them getting chased by the werewolf is uh, one of the better scenes in the show, I feel like. And I, I think that this, you know, Carrie's moment in the bus where he, he bravely steps up and and uh, traps the werewolf is probably one of his better moment, best moments on the show. Um, but I don't know why this one isn't quite up there as one of my favorites. It may it may just be the acting from Laura. It just takes me out a little bit from the emotional side of this one. Uh, Chantel Conlin is the name of that actress, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I agree, she is a l- little wooden. Has she gone on to act in other things beyond So Weird? Or um, was she just doing a few things as a child actor? Uh, she's has a couple of TV credits. She was on like various incarnations of The Outer Limits and The Twilight Zone. Um, did a couple episodes of stuff like that. Nothing. Her only feature film credit is the movie Mission to Mars, if anybody remembers that. So, yeah, not a lot of credits for this actress. Okay, well, um, so anybody else have any closing thoughts on this one? 
I think it's interesting uh, that you refer to it as one of the scarier episodes of So Weird, because I always saw it as a little more comedic, and the only scary part was really the chase scene and then that moment in the bus. So I think, like, it's a good episode, but it's not, like, up there for me. What elements of it did you find comedic? Comedic? Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. I thought the part, like, a lot of funny one-liners, like, the part about the bus scene, like, you mentioned Jack making fun of Carrie, the scene with Laura and Fee and the Spoons. I don't know, it just struck me as, like, more lighthearted. And then it was scary nighttime chasing and then emotional support. Well, different strokes for different folks. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you have anything to say about this one, Kathy? I didn't really write much down for this episode, but I do like it a lot. Um, I think I like it a lot because it just all worked well and it was a smooth episode. Um, so I don't know if we're going into ratings now. But, sure. <laughs> uh, I will rate it a seven. Um, I gave this one an eight. I'd pick it at like a seven point five. Like I want to give it an eight, but I don't know. I think it's because it doesn't have any ties to the whole Rick story arc that's keeping me from giving it an eight. I like it, but it's just like a standalone type of episode to me. Cat bringing percentage, percentages into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do give it thumbs up, um, but it's not in my top ten. Thumbs up. So you're one of those people who like the new Netflix rating system, is what you're telling me, Emily. Uh, no! Are, are we, isn't that my thing now? Thumbs up? <laughs> I thought that was my thing. <laughs> I can't do the numbers, guys. <laughs> um. So, if we are all wrapped up on that topic, um, Kathy had had some stuff she wanted to share with our listeners on this one. Yeah. Um, so, I went to Vancouver for vacation for like two and a half weeks. And um, that's where they shot So Weird. So, I was thinking maybe some of the actors were local actors and were still there. Um but I only was able to get in contact with, um, I was going to say Ned Ward, <laughs> Dave Ward, <laughs> who plays Ned. And um, he does a lot of, uh, he performs music at a lot of like small um, bars around town. So I actually met up with him and we had a good conversation talking about um, the industry, the film industry, a little bit of what he did back then. Um, so he said that a lot of the stuff that he did was voiceovers and right now I think he had told me he just finished something, but I completely forgot the name, but Starstruck. Um, <laughs> I was a little like what I'm glad I had two of my friends there cause they were like keeping the conversation going, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I asked a little bit about So Weird and, like, what he remembered, and he told me that all the actors there were just really nice and sweet. And he's, I think he said he still keeps up with some of them and that he wanted to call up Belinda, like, I guess if I had contacted him ahead of time, who plays Irene Belinda Metz. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I would have called her up so we could all 
meet up, but uh, he said that she was, I think, in Toronto, like doing her singing stuff. Um, and a cool little thing is that he said when he, they were filming So Weird, um, he would have a friend that would pick him up and drop him off, and his friend had a guitar with him in the car one day, and his friend like kind of urged him to learn to play it, and that's how he knows guitar now. So a lot of his performances, he's singing and playing guitar. That's interesting. Most important question, did you mention the podcast to him? <laughs> I did, and I said that you guys said, hey, and then oh. he's like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did, and I said how we'd love for you know all of us to have some interview with him, and he said that, yeah, he would definitely do that with us. Cool. We need to clog our schedules and figure out when we can do that. Yeah. That was such an That's just so – yeah, it's so cool you actually met him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is super neat that you would uh, get, you know, get to talk to – I mean, somebody on the show, we on this podcast that we talk about almost every, uh, every week, and then, hey, you get to meet him. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Right? <laughs> it's really cool. Oh, well, I love that he mentioned that he still keeps in touch with some of the members from mm -hmm. So Weird and that they were all such nice people because you get that vibe from the show. Yeah, and it's like the show's almost 20 years old or so, and the fact that they still keep in touch, like if you think of other shows from back then, like which you know actors would keep in touch from that long ago. Yeah. yeah it just goes to show the power of So Weird. Yeah, it means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, and also, um, you you mentioned this on the the Twitter feed. You got to a you got a picture of the hotel from Twin or something. Uh, yeah, so Vancouver is like the filming place for like so many shows, and um, right now it's easy to find locations for current shows, but like a twenty year old show is kind of hard. So I was thinking, like, you know, what's What's something that stands out? And Emily have brought up the hotel, which is, I think it's just called Hotel Vancouver. Um, yeah, it's the yeah. Fairmont Hotel Vancouver. Yeah, so I had a lot of time. So I told my friends, like, oh, let's go to this hotel because we pass by it all the time. Mm -hmm. So we did, and I went inside, and it was the nicest hotel that I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> the stores, like, down there were, like, Gucci all those labels that I don't know. <laughs> and we, so I went up on the elevator and I clicked, I think roof level. And it took me to the level to get to the roof. And there's like nothing there besides a piano on that level. And we opened the door and of course it was locked or no, it wasn't locked. It said security, like fire alarm will go off or something. So I did not want to do that. <laughs> But yeah, that's yeah. the scene where, or that's where they filmed the rooftop scene in Twin. It's on okay. top of that roof. You can, like, if you find, if you go on Google um, and look up the Hotel Vancouver, you'll see the gargoyles just like they are in at the end episode when the shot pans out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely recognizable. And there's, um, I was trying to think of other like locations that would stick out and so I had watched the mutiny scene again and showed my friends and 
in that scene, they're walking on a beach and there's a lighthouse and a bread building and that looked pretty like distinct. So I searched that and it was actually on Vancouver Island and I would have wanted to go, but it was really far to get there, like five hours or so driving. So I skipped that. Hmm. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of the places that so weird films, they try to make it look like small towns. So, yeah, there's, like, nothing distinct about small houses or parks because those are everywhere. Yeah. Well, still, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we well, got okay. pictures, and he signed a print that I brought. And he's always so thankful of all the support that we have for him. Well, you should um, maybe include that in the uh, YouTube video if you're comfortable with putting that in there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, and that's why we... We didn't. There aren't, haven't been any new episodes for about a month, so <laughs> <laughs> that is why. Yep. Well, not just her. I went on vacation too. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that. Yeah. I mean that. That's pretty. Pretty cool. I thought that would. Uh. Something that people would definitely like to hear about. So, have we gotten any feedback in the interim or anything like that? Um. A little bit. <laughs> I think about like four comments or so. Um. Yeah, this one is from Beauty Effulgent. Did I say that right? Yep. Wow. It's a word you don't hear a lot. This is from, or they're replying to the listen episode. Uh, They said, hey, guys, thanks for the username compliment. I wanted to clear up something before I get into my so weird rant. I think there was a bit of a mix-up with the Buffy episode I was talking about last episode. The episode you thought I was referring to was Restless in Season 5, which is the really abstract dream episode. I was actually talking about Nightmares in Season 1, where a boy in a coma accidentally brings the nightmare world to the real world, and everyone's nightmares become reality. The little boy is being chased by a monster called the Ugly Man, but the monster is actually a physical manifestation of his subconscious fear. Uh, Buffy fights the monster, which helps him face his fear, and we find out that the ugly man is actually his little league coach who beat him up and put him in a coma. I think the similarities between the two episodes are way too strong to be written off as coincidence. But anywho, back to So Weird. I wouldn't call Listen one of my favorite episodes, but it's not one of my least fave either. I'd have to rank it a six as well for many of the reasons you all have already mentioned. The unanswered question of what we are supposed to listen for still bothers me to this day, but I have to give the episode kudos for making PSP seem so unsettling, a concept I wouldn't have otherwise considered so creepy. And the crop circle stuff is also pretty interesting, in my opinion. As far as the alien episodes in the series go, I have to say that Roswell Ep is is by far my favorite, but at least we get new math in this one, which is in my top five favorite songs of the series. Really glad you guys pointed out that the aliens actually say listen at the end. I had never noticed that before. Sorry, I wrote you guys a novel. Keep the faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I do remember the Buffy episode she's talking about. And yeah, I guess there are some pretty strong parallels between that and So Weird's Nightmare episode. I hadn't thought about that. Um but I wasn't on the listen episode, so I, I actually have no idea what the hell what else she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, it was Emily who ha- was talking about it. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that episode, and yeah, I definitely see the parallels now. Good call. Um, and I will also say that Roswell was also my favorite of the Alien story episodes. Yep, same. 
I'm not really sure. I think memory may be my favorite of the alien ones. Me too. But. Well, well, we'll have to discuss that when it comes up. All right. So, yeah, thank you for that. And um, this is from the GSTV reviewer on our episode, Mutiny. They said, really enjoyed this episode, especially the way Ned acted out as a pirate. It's sad to see Clue go, even though he would be back next season. When you guys gave out your overall thoughts on the episode, it's ironic. One of you mentioned something about being the odd man out. What did you think about Eric Vonda and leaving so weird in favor of the forgotten ABC sitcom? Oh, geez. Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, I remember seeing the show and I remember recognizing uh, Eric Von Detten from So Weird. But other than that, I do not remember much of anything about the show itself. I think it ran for only a few episodes and I wasn't it on the uh, TGIF uh, episode block, though. I'm not sure. I remember watching the show, but that's about it. I, I know it existed. I don't remember anything else beyond that. If it was funny or I only watched it a few times, so I'm assuming I was not amused. I just remember seeing promos for it all the time that involved Eric Von Detten sticking kids face in his armpit. I don't think I ever watched it. You know, that does sound familiar. (laughs) I don't remember anything about that show. And I was always under the impression that he left so weird to film the princess diaries, but maybe that was wrong. I don't know. That's what I always thought. I didn't even know of that show. (laughs) All right. Well, that's a, um, here's a podcast about one obscure TV show talking about an even more obscure (laughs) TV show. And speaking of obscure TV shows, the one that I did like to watch was after so weird, Patrick Levis went on to maybe it's me. And I've found episodes of that on YouTube and it's pretty funny. The title sounds a little familiar, but I don't uh, don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, I think I I've posted about it on the forum with a link to one of the episodes. I'll have to look it up. Was it like a, a comedy? Was it a network show? Or? Mm-hmm. It was a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you to uh, the person who wrote that comment. Um, this is from Darvney on the forum. They said, listen is a good episode. I like the furthering of the Molly Carey connection and the farm angle. I'm glad they raised the issue of farming, how hard it is, and the thinning of traditional family farming via corporate farms. I wish Gabe had been mentioned in this episode. Maybe Molly could have found out about the farming issue through Jack and Gabe. Jack seemed annoyed at Fee, and I think he really was angry at her for her making them both miss Molly and Carey's first concert together, which, by the way, looked very chummy. I would love the episode a lot more had it been able to continue and conclude properly. It makes me so curious what the aliens were doing there in that small town. Why ESP and why did they want everyone to listen? Were they specifically targeting Fee or was it something bigger? So much we will never know. I can totally see a season three that still carries out much of their original plans without Kara. One idea I had was during Twin, both Rick and Fee get knocked off the ledge by the monster, and then the Phillips and Bells have to band together to find them. I can see Annie coming into the season as well as James' cousin or sister. Ned and Irene watch Carrie on stage, and Irene has her arms crossed but still nods her head. It's like a message that even though Carrie disappointed her, she is still proud of him. Mutiny, don't cross the nuts. I wish there was a YouTube video showcasing Ned's fantastic motoring skills. <laughs> um, 
Well, just uh, her thoughts on a, a season three without Fiona that could have still work. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about that, <laughs> but otherwise, okay. thanks for the, uh, the feedback, darb me. That actually I really like that comment she brought up about how Gabe and Jack could have brought the farming issue to their attention. Since Gabe grew up on a farm, like, yeah, that would, be, would have been an awesome idea. Well, you know, this episode we talked about today also had farmers in it. It's lots of farms and so weird. Hmm. Um, I was just going to comment on her season three idea. I did kind of write an idea like that a while back on the forum. Uh, basically, I came up with an alternate season three where they could have kept some of the stuff going without Kara. And I think I did end up having Fee fall off with Rick on the roof. But I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't have been ideal, obviously, but they could have made it work. I think. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Going to it. <laughs> the the season three they had planned. I don't know how you do that without Fiona. That would be tricky. I well, they would have had in season three. They should have had it so that Jack got the ring and Jack became the main character. I mean, that yeah. would have been a better idea than bringing in a totally new character, but. You, you know, we'll we'll get to season three, all right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, this is from East Street Band Fan 1. They said, great job on the Mutiny podcast. I thought the episode was just okay, but Dave Ford definitely should have gotten one of those Kids' Choice Awards for his acting in the episode. The scene where he is yelling at the kids to let him out of the room was definitely a different side of his acting we normally don't see on the show. It's also a shame that it's the last time that we see Clue until season three, which is a shame for those of you flu shippers out there. I don't think of Clue not only as a comic relief, but also as Disney's version of a stoned teen. (laughs) (laughs) I also believe that this episode is one of the only two episodes that is Ned-centric, which the other being Fall. I'm looking forward to the next podcast on Boo, as it's a great episode, and I watch it every Halloween. Not only is it the only Halloween-themed episode, but it also features executive producer Henry the Fonz Winkler. They're going to be so disappointed. (laughs) 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 Um, Well, just the thing about how the show should have been nominated was, you know, I'm looking at uh, so weird IMDb page here, and it doesn't look like it was uh, nominated for anything, and that's crazy. Really? I nominated for outstanding children's writing. Winner, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> outstanding everything. Winner, so weird. Hmm. Biggest bus. Winner, so Biggest weird. Bus. <laughs> I thought they had been nominated for something. Wouldn't Disney have had to put it up for consideration for those awards? Isn't that kind of how they work? Yeah, usually when something, um, when there's an award show, the nominees are submitted by whoever the company producing them. That's how it works with like the Oscars and things like that. I don't know how it works with, say, the Kids' Choice Award, Kids Choice Awards, or the Cable Ace Awards or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like Disney probably overlooks their own show. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. I'm on the IMDb, and there's nominations, but not wins. For what? They did get nominated seven times. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, well, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm working for IE now, and I don't have my IMDb settings, so I've got the weird, terrible mobile version of IMDb where you can't find anything. So that's probably oh. why you saw that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's um, 
in 2000 for the Leo Award, uh, Best Performance by a Male in a Dramatic Series, Mackenzie Gray. Really? Yeah. Of all for, the, for of all transplant, the transplant. And then 2001, um, the Young Artist Awards, Best Ensemble in a TV Series. Oh, we should have won that. And that <laughs> one is Eric Lively, Eric Von Detten, Patrick Levis, Alex Johnson. Who were they up against? Uh, I, it doesn't show all that. Yeah. Uh, so, so Kara was never nominated and the writing was uh, never nominated? Yes, yeah, she got nominated. I'm going to just read them all. Um, yeah, they also got that nomination again. So they got Ensemble in 2000 and 2001. And 2000 was including Kara. And they also got nominated for Best Family TV Series for the Young Artist Awards. And then the Young Star Awards in 2000. Best Young Actor Performance in a Drama TV Series, Eric Lively. Young Actress, Kara. And then Best Young Ensemble Cast. Okay, well, I'm glad the show at least got some recognition. Though, mm -hmm. to be brutally honest, I've not heard of any of these award shows, but... Um, I, mean, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, So Weird wasn't getting Emmy heat or anything like that. But, <laughs> but still, I'm glad it at least got some recognition when it was new. All right, well, well that's good. Okay, so is there anything um, else? Yeah, one more okay. um, feedback from Andrea on Facebook. This is for the mutiny episode. She said, I agree with the points you made about the end scene of mutiny. It would have been more realistic if the skeleton hand had appeared more worn by time. I like that the driftwood sinks near the skeleton, though, because it goes to show that it really is more than just a piece of wood, as Jack had stated. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Boo. During my youth, <laughs> during my youth it was my least favorite episode. I always thought Fergus was so strange that I could barely sit through the episode. <laughs> I rewatched it today and was able to understand it better. I was also taken aback because although I don't pair Carrie and Molly, I found myself thinking like a shipper when Carrie said that aging rock stars really should do sit-ups if they're going to wear all that spandex. <laughs> Forgive me, but do shippers take that as Carrie noticing Molly by paying attention to what she wears? <laughs> also... After he and Jack scare Molly in the street, which is a great funny scene, he softens a little and asks her what she's up to. I also appreciate how Molly is so motherly in the beginning when Jack jokes that he has a zit. I love it when she takes his face in her hand and says, Aw, but you're still my handsome boy. The dialogue is great because that is something to the likeness of what a real mother would say. It also... It is also motherly and realistic when she says Jack and Carrie's names in a scolding tone after they scare her. The abundance of brother-sister teasing is great, too. It is so sweet to see Jack and Fee get along instead of arguing or disagreeing. Well, that is some great feedback on an episode we did not talk about today. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'll just, I know we're going to do this episode down the road. Um, since I just watched Boo last night, I'll say this. I know it's not a particularly well-regarded episode, and I, but I think the first half of Boo is pretty good, and the second half is pretty not so good. I'll just leave it at that, and we'll get our more detailed thoughts on that later. We all look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I just want to thank the regular people like the regular feedback people like Darby and Andrea and E Street Band. These are names I we hear almost every episode, every time we record. And it's really great to have regular 
feedback from listeners. I really appreciate that so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Well, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, if there are no other pressing issues, I conclude this meeting. Um, <laughs> all right. This has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And we'll hear from you next time. Keep the faith. Bye.